listening to Big Red Potion episode 40. My name is Sinan Kuba, I'm your host today, and I am joined by regulars of the show, Zan Tiriap. Hi Sinan. Hey, and uh, Eddie and Zato. Hey, what's up? Hey, how you guys doing? Either one. Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, <laughs> a long tired. weekend, obviously. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not bad. It's, it's, it's a Sunday night, so depression is setting in, ready for the working week. Yeah, we are um, nearing Monday. Yes, um, unfortunately we are without Joe once again. Uh, Joe's still having family things. We say a big shout out to him and we hope he'll be back next week to join us. Um, but we will press on nonetheless and we will press on this week with a interesting topic which uh, Zan, you suggested because we kind of had, you, you kind of saw a few Twitter people talking about it. Yeah, but I we were sort of thinking about things we could discuss on the show and I was just having a look around and I sort of did a trend on my Twitter feed and I noticed there was quite a few people this week complaining of um, what's colloquially known as, as gamer burnout, you know, where people are kind of kind of fed up with playing games and they're looking for other things to do or maybe, I don't know, a particular type of game has put them off for a while. So I thought it's quite an interesting area because I'd imagine it's something that we've all suffered from at some point. Is it something you suffered with, Eddie, before? Oh, yeah. Um, kind of a lot. Usually for me, it's seasonal, actually. Because, I mean, coming from New York, it was always a lot of video games when I couldn't do anything else. And then when it started to get sunny, I needed to, you know, every time the second the sun came out and it wasn't raining or snowing, I had to drop whatever I was doing in the middle and run outside just to be able to, you know, take advantage. <laughs> so... There is that, and I don't know, I guess, yeah, you can get, I get tired of games after a while. Now, I, I have a question for you, and then I'll give it to Zan as well, because I'm, as much as you and I, Eddie, we, we write for, for game sites, Zan does his podcast and has been an avid gamer for a long time, and, and, and writing and talking about him in his, in his own way, um, but for me, I, I never really had game of burnout, if we're going to call it that, um, until I started pursuing a career in writing about games, and kind of taking it getting more and more full-time with that. Um, so beforehand, you know, when I was... Games was just a part of my life. It, it never really happened, but now now it has. I don't know if that's, if that's similar for you. Yeah, I guess before I was actually, you know, pursuing this as a career, I would just want to do other things. But as a video game journalist, you have to play games every single week. You finish one, you write about it, you play the next one, sometimes doing multiple games at once. So I think in our particular field, it's easier to actually get legitimately burnt out on playing games just because you're doing it so often. Right. But the thing is, whenever I talk with people like, like Zan and, and uh, Dits from, say, the Gamer Scene or any you know, other podcasters who seem to play as many games as I do, despite not you know, doing this for their, their, or aiming to do it for their full-time career. Um, so I presume, Zan, that you know, it's, it's just the same for you, even if you're not necessarily calling yourself a games journalist. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, it's... I, I, completely feel for you guys because i i can imagine it's it's much much worse especially if you've been given a game to review that you really don't enjoy and you've got to you know get a decent way through it and i think that can all contribute to it but certainly personally i've suffered from it fairly regularly actually i would say perhaps two three four times a year um and um i know you know speaking to 
some of my friends and some of some of the people we we you know we talk to on the various podcasts we do that you know it, it seems to be that if you're an enthusiast or if, if you're a hobbyist gamer that you, you do tend to come up to come up to these sort of humps where you just nothing you try really you enjoy anymore or you find it you find it difficult to get into games um and as i said i noticed this week just a few people on the twitter feed that that certainly aren't professionals um uh, complaining about it and i don't know i suppose looking at it from a personal point of view it tends to be like eddie said it can it tends to be seasonal i tend to find that um after the big um the periods where we have a lot of games coming out it's normally just after that that I, I I kind of hit a barrier. So, you know, we normally have that crazy period, don't we? Between um, was it? It's normally autumn, isn't it? So it's like yeah, September through to November. Period, yeah. yeah, I normally find around like Christmas. Actually, funny enough, I I start to get a bit of gamer burnout, and quite often I don't play any games at all over the Christmas period because um, I just I don't know what it is. It's like I've had it's been in my face too much. You know, I've been reading so much and I've been listening to so much and. You just think, oh, I've had enough. <laughs> I need a break from it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's interesting you say that because, um, you know, one of the other topics we were thinking about discussing today was the the April NPDs, and April's, you know, been a, a real lull uh, in terms of releases. And I was wondering, you know, do you think that maybe that's why it's kind of been, maybe we've seen a few people on Twitter talking about Game of Burnouts because really it is a bit of a quiet period now and there's a bit of a lull and it is, it is like you're saying, that... that that moment after the kind of storm, yeah, the the, the 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 kind of aftermath after the storm. Well, I think we had such a uh, a really busy January and February. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's unusually so compared to the past sort of four or five years. That I think it was, it was more likely that people were going to have got to a point probably March time when they're thinking, well, I, you know, I need a rest from this now. I've been I've been a slave to you know buying maybe two two or renting two or three games a month now since last september it's it's time for something else yeah i think in in this particular hobby i guess we can call it um there's a real emphasis on being a part of the discussion which means being a part of the population playing a game immediately upon its release so it's not like the games come out and you can say, oh, well, I'll get that later. You know, it's, oh, I have to get that immediately and play it or else I'm going to miss out on something. And with online gaming, a lot of times that's another compelling factor because you have to be on, you know, be online at the same time as everyone else to play together. A lot of games uh, feature that as a big component. Fair enough. Do you, do, you, do you guys also think there's sometimes certain games that can trigger it as well? Or certain types of games? I think, um, for, again, from my own personal perspective, what's happened with me uh, sometimes is where there's been several games that have come out that are of the same ilk. So mm. um good example of that, if there's back-to-back RPGs, um, I mean, my most recent bout of Game of Burnout was actually after Final Fantasy thirteen came out. Uh, and I think I'd played three back-to-back RPGs, you know, what with um, there's Mass Effect 2, and then I was playing... Um, uh, the the latest Zelda game on the DS, and then I had that, and it was kind of you know almost like one too many. And um, f- funny enough, the thing that kind of brought me out of that particular sort of um, period where I couldn't face playing games was actually to go to a completely different genre altogether. I actually started playing from Need for Speed Shift, which was you know completely poles apart to what I had been playing, and that that kind of helped. But even then, I didn't really play much. I was only maybe playing one or two days a week. Yeah, I can understand that um, switching genre 
like making a, a really drastic shift between the types of games that you're playing, how that could help you get out of it. Because it may just be you're sick of playing that kind of game. It happened to me a little bit after playing Bayonetta, Darksiders, and... Uh, Dante's Inferno, like all in a row. I was like, oh, I just played the same game twelve times, <laughs> you know. So I was, but then I went through a little lull where I was like, oh, I don't want to play anything. And then I, I don't know what it was that I played after that, but it was different. And you know, I was right back in it, you know, mentally and emotionally. <laughs> right. It, those games really did all come very close to each other in in the January, yeah. February period. Um. Yeah, I, it's it's funny you bring up RPG sound because that's always the the number one killer for me. Um, and you know, I did like I said before the show, I didn't really get it before I started maybe pursuing writing about games. But that's not strictly true because a good RPG would, if I once I finished it, that was it for gaming for a good week or two. That was right, <laughs> yeah, done. Need to need to chill out because they're just so draining. Uh, mentally on you, there's so much persistence that you need to have to see it through and a Final Fantasy or any even a, a Western RPG to its conclusion even with the you know the the the, the level of uh, the spectrum of how much you can put into a Western RPG like say Fallout 3 or Oblivion um, I still find that even if I only put maybe 20 30 hours and I and I did initially with Fallout 3 only put 20 or 30 hours into it um, I say only um, but you know I, I still had to step away because it's it's just like nothing else I, I do in life. I don't put that m- amount of time to anything else uh, without finishing it earlier. Um, it's 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 a it's a really unique thing, gaming. How much time it takes up. I would have the thought. I mean, for you guys, um, kind of working in industry, maybe being given games like this to to play. I mean, I mean, how close does the, does it actually get to becoming um, you know stressful? You know, in, in in respect that I don't know. Maybe you know there's there's a 80, 100 hour game coming up and it's going to be coming your way and you've only just finished one that's taking you 40 or 50 hours. I mean, is that is that something you worry about or something you're concerned about? Um, well, sometimes when there are a bunch of releases coming out all at the same time and I know that they're all coming to me, I can, I can get a little uh, nervous about my time management skills. <laughs> but um, because I do all of the... Um, delegation at GamerNode, it's a little bit easier because I try to really space things out among all the writers evenly. But yeah, definitely, if if I know that I personally have to play like three games one week, I just feel, uh, I don't know, like impending doom is, is on the way. I think, I think from my perspective, it's when uh, it's, it's not so much the length of a game because usually well, at least the editors I've worked with have been forgiving with that. So, you know, say if I have an RPG to review, I don't, I'm not expected to get the the review in five days' time. But, you know, that, that's the nature of working for smaller sites. Um, but it's more the balancing of when when I, when like Eddie says, when I have three or four games to review and uh, I know that I, there isn't really time to take a break and say, you know what, I really fancy playing uh, Little Big Planet. Or I really, I really want to have a go at Maricot Wii. There's just no, you have to play a review game now. That's that's when it gets stressful for me, and I, uh, I, I try to channel that into the review. I try to see, well, do I really want to keep playing this game? And it's, and you have to kind of remember, you have to kind of balance that because it's easy to let in a review let your mood ref, get reflected too much. Um, 
you know your external mood to the game. You have to try and balance all of that, and it's and I, I find that tricky. It's something I've had to to work out over the sort of last two years. But certainly, if, if a game, if I don't really want to come back to a game, regardless of what's going on, you have to to take note of that. I think, and that, that's that. I try to, like I said, I try to use that to my to my advantage, but uh, a lot of the time. Uh, that that can be when I get my game of burnout when I've had three or four games to review and I, I had to do them all pretty much once one after the other. It was an interesting thing that um, Eddie said, which was the you know where there's this sort of compulsion to play a game as soon as it comes out or to um, I mean certainly in the industry you need to review games as soon as it comes out. But even for like the enthusiasts and amateurs and you know guys that do podcast stuff, there is this compulsion to always pick up the latest game and to and to play it. And one of the things I've certainly felt, which again has contributed to these sort of um you know periods where I just think, well I've had enough of this, is is the kind of peer pressure that comes with some games. Um I mean Final Fantasy thirteen is the most recent one I can think of where there was a lot of you know, unspoken peer pressure for people who pick that up to actually try and finish it. You know, it, was a, it almost becomes like a, a bit of you know, sort of machismo. You know, you have to you have to prove that you're a real gamer because you've managed to survive the fifty hours or whatever it is to finish the game. And um, there are certain benchmark titles every year that seem to come with that. Um, I remember, um, I think Resident Evil Five was another one that kind of had that sort of that vibe to it, that you had to buy it and play it and finish it before you could even talk about it. I think, it's, especially with like a Final Fantasy game, it's not just that you have to finish it, it's that if you only give it, say, five or ten hours, you haven't given it a chance. And uh, that, and you know, again, it's like saying only five or ten hours. That's a huge amount of time, really, when you think about it. Like, you know, that's, that's a quarter of a day uh, or more to give to one thing. And uh, it is strange that I don't know, especially in, in the more insular part of the gaming community, that there is this kind of peer pressure. I mean, if you take a different medium, like, you know, TV, um, you know, if, if using the same sort of example, I mean, if there was a, a series that they were making of, you know, 25 shows or something, if it took until the 10th show for it to actually get good or to be actually get to the sort of 10th show before you actually started enjoying it, then it kind of, it's a bit of a flawed concept because most people would have given up after the first couple of episodes, if they didn't think it was their thing, it's a kind of there's there's almost like a little bit of sadism involved in some games. I find where you've almost got to break through that barrier where you're not enjoying it in order to get to the point where you possibly are. And I think that can sometimes be a contributing factor to to you know feeling burnt out or, or being fed up with the medium. Another thing about games in particular is that there's there's less of of just picking and choosing what you want to be a fan of, like there there is in other mediums, like in novels or movies or TV shows or whatever. It seems that if you're going to be a quote-unquote hardcore gamer, you just play everything because that's what you do. Because you know you're you're a gamer, and there's that pressure about it. You know, it's it's like you have to prove yourself. So you can't really just be like, eh, I, mean, I don't I don't feel like playing that game. I don't know. I think the the TV show comparison is a little a little unfair. Well, not unfair, but I think maybe there's there is an important difference in that from one episode of a TV show, you've got something cohesive, you've got something that you can that you know you had a start, a middle, and an end, and will be reflective. You think of other episodes along the line. Um, 
Whereas in a, in a game, what you're doing in the first hour might not reflect what's going on in the 10th hour, in the 20th hour, in the 50th hour. And certainly Final Fantasy XIII is a, is a prime example of that. So I think maybe uh, I would sort of make the, the closer comparison to something like books, where you, I, I, where, say for me, I don't judge a book by its first or, or second chapter. I will get quite far into it before I before I, I go, well, I'm not going to read anymore. It's just rubbish. Well, except perhaps if it's a Dan, Baum, Dan Brown book. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you can make your mind up after three pages of one of those. <laughs> That's a cheap shot of Dan Brown, but it's a fair cheap shot. Um, <laughs> do you, I, mean, I don't know. Do you, do you guys think that, that that's a, a better comparison? Or is that or is it just maybe, I don't know, are, are games really their own beast in, 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 in that way? I think... Well, they are definitely their own thing. They're very different from everything. But if I was going to choose something, I often, in my mind, compare them to literature, you know, to, to books and stuff. I guess it may be because of the, the same sort of way you experience a game over a, a number of isolated sessions. I mean, that's how I read a book also. That's how I play games. I don't I don't play the whole thing from start to finish most of the time if it's a long game. And I don't necessarily read a you know 300-page book from cover to cover in one sitting. Not like Superman, but it, I think it's a fair comparison. Yeah, they all, all of them have... Well, again, games can be quite different because um, there seems to be more variety. But certainly any game that has a narrative structure, I think, is you can compare to, to books really easily. Uh, but also to, to to movies or to TV series as well, because if you know games that have a narrative structure tend to have a beginning, a middle, and an end, and they often have chapters and ways of breaking it up so that you have a you know uh, have a decent pace to it, but a, you know sort of a even level of pacing throughout the game. I mean, um, I've only played a bit of it, but um, Alan Wake is a good example of that. I've obviously gone for a um, quite an obvious. Um, metaphor in the book. I mean, if you buy the special edition, it even comes in a fake book. Um, but, you know, they've, they've kind of broken that game up into book-style chapters that you can digest in easy chunks. So um, I, th- I think the, the comparison is there, definitely. That's interesting about Alan Wake. I just want to just kind of come to that, actually, because I, I thought it was more trying to present itself like a TV show. Yeah, me too. Well, again, um, some TV shows are structured like a, a novel would be. Um, but I, I, I took it as being that way, but probably because, because I've got the special edition and it does actually come in a fake hardback book. That's how the game comes. Right. So it seemed quite clear that that was the, the structure it was aiming for. But like you said, when you play the game, actually, there's lots of um, nods and winks towards TV shows as well, like the Twilight Zone and stuff. So I don't know. Maybe they got mixed up in their own metaphors. I'm not sure. I think the way that in a TV show, like in a, a season of TV shows, um, you'll have each episode is a complete story in itself and maybe it's part of a larger complete story. And in Alan Wake, it seems like each episode closes out somewhat before moving on to the next part. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I was being much more superficial than that, just going by the, the way it's presented in terms of uh, Alan talking to himself and the kind of narrator's voice and, and the whole previously on Alan Wake stuff, all, all the stuff that just screamed at TV. And, and they had a, t- a television prequel as well, uh, the, the Bright Falls prequel, which um, I, I really enjoyed. I think it was
games a lot of the time. Uh, what do you do when you're not playing games? I mean, I enjoy uh, obviously movies and books and stuff like that as well. Um, I tend to, I think, because I I don't actually watch a lot of TV, so I don't. TV's never really much of an escape. So actually, um, when there is a period where I'm not playing games, I'll often go to start you know I'll actually watch a little bit more television and I'm normally horrified by what I see and it normally drives me on to do something completely different <laughs> um, but um, I, I, you know I often find that you know when I have these periods where I just can't face playing anything is is I just have a complete break from everything so I don't read any kind of gaming sites I don't read any magazines I don't, um, don't listen to any podcasts and I'll probably do that for maybe two or three weeks um, just have a complete and utter break from it and I tend to you know, um, quite most recently, actually, the thing I got really interested in and diverted by was actually the election we had. You know, that kind of took my mind off things for for several weeks, and now I've come back all afresh. You know, so that kind of has, has helped me get past my gaming burnout because there was something else to distract me. So it's, I guess, just looking for other things to, to distract yourself. That's that's the, what I tend to do. Um, but um, yeah, or, or sometimes I'll buy a DVD box set and watch that an entire series of something and. That normally takes a few weeks. I, I did that once with 24. I, I bought about three series of 24 and watched them back to back. And then wow. I then I got burnt out on those. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I must I must confess I have watched one series of 24 within a day. Um, that's and it, that's not literally impossible. Before anyone says that, they're no, because they're only 42 minutes long, aren't they? Each right. One. And I did do it with friends. So it wasn't quite as loner terrible as it sounds. It was it was a it was a communal thing. But it did feel a bit wrong by the time we got to the end of it. That that was a day gone. We could have done something today. <laughs> we we didn't, but we could have. Um, how about you, Eddie? What do you do? Um, for me, like life is generally a battle between multimedia entertainment and doing other things like sports and going out and socializing with friends and stuff. So generally, if I find myself in a position where I magically don't have a game that I have to be playing, then I will run out of the house, go find some friends and do something or, you know, go out and play some sort of sport, be in the sun, go to the beach, (laughs) something like that. I mean, aside from writing, um, obviously I have to write a lot, but, uh, yeah, those sorts of things. I mean, there are times when, I'm like out and someone would be like, hey, you want to go do this? And I'm like, no, I, I have to go home and play a video game. I literally have to do that. <laughs> so, yeah, when I'm not ha- you know, forced to play something, I'll be just doing something completely different, not even anywhere near a, a screen projecting video images into my retinas, you know? Right. I mean, I, I, it may sound to listeners, you know, a bit, a bit trivial for us to go into this, but I think it's interesting for me because uh, I find it that a lot of the gaming community only tends to talk about games, especially over over Twitter. My my my, I I only use Twitter really ever to talk about games, so um, maybe I, I might come across that way, but I try not to to talk about my personal life over Twitter and things like that. Um, I try to use it as a extension of my sort of games games or writing sort of side but a lot of my sort of friends podcaster friends people who game they, they there's a lot of conversation on gaming on, on twitter and i sometimes wonder how how much of, the, of those people's lives are just gaming and I, I just wonder do you do you guys think that to to be an enthusiast gamer requires 
maybe a little bit too uh, an unhealthy amount of investment. I don't think it requires it. I think it happens often, but I don't think it's required. Because I would consider myself an enthusiast gamer, but I don't think I'm obsessed with video games. So I would imagine that it's possible, you know, among other people. I think the 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 medium of Twitter tends to um, well, the people you're following tends to be. Um, the people that you want to have conversations with, and um, certainly from my my own personal kind of setup on Twitter, is that certainly a, a large majority of the people who I'm following or I sort of tweet to on a regular basis are people who are also into games. So that therefore becomes the conversation. But I don't think it it means that people aren't having different conversations beyond that. Um, I mean, it's slightly different. I mean, if I if I take um, uh, Ninja Fat Pigeons, you know, who I've, who I've known for five or six years now. Um, funny enough, when we meet up, we don't generally talk a lot about games. We tend to talk about other things like football or cricket or photography. Or um, it, it tends to be slightly different when you're face to face. We still occasionally talk about games, but it's not the the you know the main topic. Um, perhaps it's the kind of bite-sized nature of Twitter as well. I think it can tends to talking about games seems to fit into its what it's trying to achieve but i mean i you know you talk about stuff else i mean I, I do use twitter and facebook for personal stuff as well and um i mean some some of you you may know that i do have other interests that i i deal with and one of them is is actually um um i suppose they're a lobby lobby group really but i, I work for the campaign for relau in the uk which is a, a body set up to try and protect traditional methods of making beer and selling it and um you know that's something that takes up a lot of my time probably um you know sort of 10 hours a week or so so there are other things going on to dis- distract me but i do think that you know the, the the twitter bias is more a question of who you're following and what you're talking about if you follow a lot of people who talk about other things then i think you would find yourself talking about them as well yeah i wish we had joe on for this show because Joe told me, I think it was either two weeks ago or three weeks ago, that he had played something like 150 or 70-something games last year, which, um, when you sort of think about it, that's two or three games a week. And, you know, that that to me kind of... What I'm trying to get at is that Joe has a, his own full-time job that he, he does during the day, uh, on top of his writing about games and playing them. And I just... To me, I, I'm trying to work out where the time is to do all that because I can't possibly do that. Uh, I, I, I play a lot less games than him a year. I think I play something like 60 or 70, so maybe equivalent to once on a week um, because simply because I have to have time to do other stuff. But I just what I'm trying to get at is do you think that because games, more than other mediums, have that time investment to them that they can lead to maybe taking up too much time if you want to be an enthusiast of them? And I, well, they, they definitely can. And I think one of the other problems is that if you are an enthusiast and you do feel that peer pressure to to um, you know play the latest game that comes out, what you tend to find is you don't you don't um, invest as much time as you probably should in the games that you buy. You know, um, I mean, lots of games that come out of design these days where you can play through many times if you really enjoy it. You can go back and do challenges and things like that. But often, I mean. Uh, I've, I've not been doing it this year. I've been quite strict with myself, but certainly in previous years, that compulsion to always pick up the latest thing means that often you'll blast through a game in like uh, two or three sittings simply so you can get on to the next one. And uh, I think that kind of saps some of the enjoyment out of it when you have to do that. I don't know. I don't know what you guys think about that. No, I could definitely see that. When I was younger, 
I used to play fewer games for a longer amount of time each, so I would spend like a month with a game, you know, doing everything, playing multiplayer, whatever you could do with the game, finishing 100%. And now I want games to be shorter and shorter so that I could experience the whole game, yet still move on to the next game uh, quickly without missing out on something that I should have seen in the first game. That's interesting because um, I, I remember when I first joined the game reviews where uh, when, when Eddie was a uh, features writer, I think the first feature I provided for you, Eddie, was something on Fallout 3. Um, mm-hmm. the, season. <laughs> yeah, and I, I said, I'm not going to play Fallout 3 because I don't have the time. And it, wh- how it worked out was that my internet went and I couldn't write anything for TGR and my girlfriend got, for my birthday got me an Xbox 360 and Fallout 3. Um, <laughs> so she kind of completely ruined my, my plan not to play it. But as it worked out, I had all I couldn't write for T, for TGR. Um, I couldn't write for any other sites at the time. So I had a lot of free time to myself to to do something. And I thought, okay, I'm going to play Fallout Three. And I got to play it pretty much solidly on its own for for two weeks. And uh, like I said, I put thirty hours into it, and I loved it. And I just wonder how much of that was because I had the time to really invest in the game and. You know, I I look back to when I tried to play Oblivion for the first time, and uh, I was playing a lot of other games at the same time, and I just couldn't couldn't get into Oblivion. It's it's a strange question to ask. Do you think, uh, as an industry, because if you look at say the film industry, there are at any one time uh, at the cinema twelve or thirteen films, and they will be around for for a few months, usually most of them. Um, we look at games. There are there's a new game every week, pretty much. And uh, they require so much time. Do you think, especially in, in recent years, the industry has now got to a point where there are just too many video games out there? Uh, yeah, I think definitely there's too too many. Um, I mean, we've got not only do we have you know um, five or six now established platforms that the games can be released on, but some of those platforms have one or two different ways of delivering it to you. So you, you know, you take something like a uh, the major consoles like the you know the the 360 or the PlayStation 3, you've got disc media that you can go buy the shop. There's stuff you can download. There's you know bite-sized games you can play. It, it's you just every week you kind of inundated. Um, you know, um, I think now don't we get we get um, Xbox Live Arcade games on Wednesday, PSN games on Thursday, hmm. Wii titles on Friday, and then. You also, certainly in the UK, we get all the disc releases on Friday as well. So in any given week, there can be 20, 30, 40 new games that are coming out, which is an enormous amount when you think about it. And it's not nowhere near the same as the movie industry, where in the movie industry, certainly in the UK, you generally only get maybe three to five films a week. And if you were you know, a, a movie enthusiast, you could probably go to the cinema once a week, watch one new film a week every week of the year, and the amount of investment you're having to put in is a lot less. You're only maybe putting in two or three hours of a Friday night, and, and even then you may be doing that as part of a kind of a, you know, social um, experience with a with a partner or friend. So, um, you know, I think it's it's quite different in the, the the game industry because there just there is so much of it, and because the time investment is so much greater that it, it can take over. I still wouldn't say that there are too many games. Maybe from the perspective of the enthusiast who wants to play everything, then it, then there are too many for it to be possible to experience everything that's out there. 
But I think having so many games makes it possible for any player, you know, who may play one game a month or or th- two games a week, you know, whatever their their overall time playing games is, it gives them the opportunity to pick and choose what they would like to play. And it's really, it comes down to their decisions about how they want to use their own time in their own life. And, you know, if they want to spend more time playing games, then they'll be able to play more games. But if they don't, if that's not as valuable to them, then they can just say, well, you know, I'm not going to play all these games. I may get them later, you know, sometime down the road. That's why we have all these people with their quote-unquote backlogs. You know, you have your backlog, and when there's nothing that you're interested in, you play something that you were interested in a year ago, and you get to it eventually. It's just the the way you choose to use your time with the medium. Okay. I mean, I, I completely agree with your answer, Eddie, but I think it's important to to maybe therefore come at it from the enthusiast but, and, and to bring it back to the, to the press because, uh, you know, there, there is this, this peer pressure, like Zan was saying, in the community to, to know everything about every game. And I feel like, from a press perspective, that pressure is almost magnified, uh, especially in a review. If you, if you don't know... Uh, say if you're reviewing an RPG, you haven't played every single Final Fantasy, or you haven't, or, or every Dragon Quest, or every Tales game, or whatever, then you can you're not qualified to talk about uh, Final Fantasy games. And I and I did actually see um, someone post on a on a forum recently uh, who was an editor of a site saying that he didn't he wouldn't give reviews to some of his writers if they hadn't played game A, game B, game C, game D, game F uh, in the genre. And I, mm-hmm. I just wonder if there's to be knowledgeable from a press perspective. There's it's, it's impossible at the moment because you cannot play all of the significant titles released this year. That I just think it's it's actually from a time perspective impossible. As a someone you know reads this stuff and buys you know buys magazines, I'd be a bit worried about that actually because if I'm expecting. Because I mean, I uh, this is a tricky one. I don't want to get onto the subject of what what reviews are and stuff. But um, I mean, I always see uh, a kind of review as a means of sort of um, indicating whether it's worth going out and buying that game or not. And and you know, obviously, as a consumer, I will probably read two or three reviews and maybe make a decision based on that. If those reviews are going to be tainted by the fact that someone's got to be an expert in a certain field. Um, in order to review it, that's then going to affect the review and affect and influence me because the example you gave, you know, if you're saying that someone's got to be a, a Square expert in order to be able to review a Final Fantasy game, then how does that review read to someone who's never played a Final Fantasy game before? And I did, I think we talked about this on another podcast, I did say that I thought when Final Fantasy Thirteen came out that one of the things that was really irritating me in a lot of the reviews I read were the fact that they were banging on about previous Final Fantasy games, when for a lot of people that may have been the first one they actually played, and they wouldn't have, be able to put any of that information in context. Yeah, that's, that's definitely valid, and I don't even want to get into that you know, from, <laughs> from my end, because I could turn this into a whole other discussion, but uh, yeah, I feel you. <laughs> sure. Okay, well, we, we'll, we won't tread those steps, but I, I, it, is, it is interesting, because I do think that is, the game burnout is definitely tied into to the nature of the medium, and, and the fact that there are a lot too many games, and, I, and I, as much as I, I again agree with everything you said, but regarding to the enthusiasm, the people who listen to podcasts and um, talk over Twitter, my, my community are, are enthusiasts, and uh, 
I don't know. Uh, it's it's. I, I sometimes wonder if it's just that we are getting we we're getting older and we have jobs and you know we have less time, uh, relationships to to deal with and all kinds of things. And uh, but I, I do think it's a trend that's that's changed over over time in the industry. Like from, from a, my perspective as a kid, it wasn't. It, I could, like you were saying, Eddie, play one game and make it last and still play all the other games I wanted to. And I. I I think I put more time actually into games when I was a kid than I do now in, in a weird way. So do you think, what I, what I want to get at is, do you think it was some, it's something that will change in the industry? Do you think there's going to be a point where, uh, say, one of the one of the platform holders goes away or all the, all the sort of ma- the developers um, come together into five or six major developers like EA and Activision and whatever, and... Uh, we see less competition, less demand. Hmm. It's a possibility. I don't really see those particular things happening. I hadn't really thought about it much. The only thing that I would imagine are games shortening up, you know, coming out in more episodic uh, ways. I mean, we're seeing a lot of that now. So we may have a lot of shorter games for less money, but more frequently so that you can get through in more bite-sized chunks. Um, otherwise, I don't know about you know everyone coming together under a few major developers and publishers. I think that's quite a risky strategy for, for a, um, a publisher or a, a studio to do that because there's um, quite a high-profile example of that recently, wasn't it, with the Penny Arcade games in that the first one sold really well and then the second one tanked and so the rest of the rest of the series got dropped. I think the, the, the difficulty with doing it that way is if if you haven't... It's a bit like, again, like TV. You know, if you haven't grabbed the audience by the first, second or third episode, then then um, you're not going to be going anywhere with it. On the other hand, we've seen Telltale enjoy great success with episodic gaming, and uh, Sega are about to undertake it with Sonic, and in a weird way, that seems to have sparked uh, interest because it's something different for that franchise. I wonder with Telltale though how much of that success is down to the fact that they actually sell seasons. Um, yeah. So you end, you end, you, you basically you, you you bought into the entire season up front, so you're then compelled right. to kind of finish it. That's a good point. That is a good point. And every time I've, I've played the Telltale game, I've bought the season pass. So <laughs> you uh, you might be onto something there. I also wonder with Penny Arcade though that they there was that big period between the first and second episode uh, of them coming out and. Uh, then there was nothing. We heard nothing after that second episode, and that, I just wonder. You know, they 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 have other stuff to do. Those guys, <laughs> they've got a, a big website to run, and I just wonder if it, it was a always a, a failed strategy. Well, didn't the studio? I can't remember who the studio was now. Didn't they get pulled off to do something else as well? Oh, really? Hothead. 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 Okay. Yeah. That sounds about um, right, actually. So yeah. Uh, it, it's a, it's a, it is interesting, but I think I, I, I think it is something that is going to start happening more and more in the industry. And you look at something like Alan Wake that could easily have been released episodically because it, it's split neatly into episodes, so um, it right. could have worked that way. And I, I don't know if that is I don't really know what's going on with season two, but I, I heard a rumor or something that it could work out that way. So I don't know. Well, everything in between season well. Alan Wake and Alan Wake 2, if you want to call it Season 2 and Season <laughs> 1, um, there are going to be smaller episodes that right. flesh out the first season uh, leading into the second season. So, I mean, potentially in the future they could just release every new bit of story in the same way. Mm-hmm. 
Game and Scroogecast. TheGamerScene.com. Ninja Fat Vision. Gamer.uk. Big Red Ocean. You don't need to go anywhere else. We have it all here. Buy your games through Frugal Gaming and save a significant amount of cash. Then get down to the communities and play online with friendly and respectful gamers, such as those at the Ninja Fat Pigeons. To find out more about your games, you can check out GamerDog and the Gamer Scene, where news and discussion will keep you well informed. And for those who like to dig deep, there's Big Red Potion, where you can get some serious and in-depth analysis of the games that you love. <laughs> Just to, to kind of close off on game burnout because uh, I feel like we've kind of we kind of have covered it. We got um, burnt out on the topic. Oh, very ha, good. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very good. Um, you've made me lose my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Uh, right. So yeah, I feel like we kind of have covered this in in, in enough depth. Gaming burnout. Last question then to to you guys. What do you kind of see as the as to cure all, what do you? How do you not get into gaming burnout? How do you avoid it? I was gonna say, I think I've this year. I think I've done a lot better than previous years, other than the aforementioned Final Fantasy Thirteen thing. But that that I put down to peer pressure. Um, in that I've been quite strict with myself. In that I'm, I've said to myself, I'm not going to buy the latest game as soon as it comes out. And I've actually looked sort of ahead over the year and picked out maybe one at the most two games a month that I'm actually going to pick up and the rest will go on to a virtual pile of shame of games that I just haven't bought yet and that I might pick up later on when it goes quiet again and I found that has really helped because what it's given me is much more freedom in 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 between the games that I buy to actually go back to some older games or to play some games that I really enjoyed and I want to play again um, I mentioned um pre-show that I've played a lot of um, Magic the Gathering um, this weekend and they released a new pack of cards on on, on, the, on the Xbox Live Arcade version and it's been really good actually to go back to that game and get a few games in online get a few games in with, with I played a, a game this morning with a friend of mine and I found that to be really enjoyable because now what I've got effectively each month is a um, almost like a peak in a trough so there's a, a big game that comes out that I'm really looking forward to which I'll play and I've got the time and space to do that and then after that I've got some other things that I can sort of go back to or, or pick up. Um, the exception is actually this month um, because my wife <laughs> wanted Alan Wake. I, I wasn't fussed about Alan Wake but my wife wanted Alan Wake so I bought that for her. She's playing it now. Um, and then later on this month we've got two games I've been really looking forward to which is um, Split Second and Red Dead Redemption. So I've had to kind of bite the bullet this month but for the rest of the year I've been actually really good and I've found that's helped. How about you, Eddie? That works. Um, I would just say, like, diversify. Play different types of games and do other things besides playing games so that you don't get stuck in a rut of just doing the same thing constantly because I think it's just the repetition, you know, the monotony of doing the same thing that leads to burnout the fastest. Yeah, I think that's, that's a good answer. My, I'm going to go with a slightly oddball uh, answer, and I'm going to say don't don't get dragged into things like achievements and trophies. Um, I, I find that seems to be the, n- the number one cause for putting too much time into a game. Uh, for most people, I, I 
I guess get mystified by people saying they've got a thousand out of thousand on certain games. I think, well, mm-hmm. you've put an unnecessary extra five hours into that game just to get this meaningless uh, achievement. And I really do find achievements meaningless. That's, um, I was going to say, that's a really good point, Sinang. That's something else that I've been strict on myself this year. And uh, previous years, I have been like that, where I've tried to get every achievement I could. And now I've I've got this kind of unwritten rule that says I'll only go for the achievements that are, are, are fun to get or that I get through playing it naturally. So right. yeah. if there are interesting ones I look at and think, oh, yeah, I wouldn't mind trying to get that. That looks kind of fun. Then I'll go for them. But if it's something like, you know, play through on expert and do this and do that, then I, I've basically said to myself, well, I won't do those anymore. Because I, I have, as you quite rightly said in the past, certainly last year, I've had situations where it has led to that sort of feeling of, I don't know, pressure and just feeling that you're doing it for the sake of it, not doing it because you enjoy it. Yeah, playing for achievements is just playing a game beyond its threshold of fun. I mean, at a certain point. I really wish we had Joe on again because he he is an achievement whore. I think his his achievement score now is 100,000 nearly. This is, I think, I'm trying to think, um, is it Tony on the Digital Cowboys? He's the mm. one who's got the massive score. Yes. Um, and I remember him saying that he there's certain games he's got he won't play for fear of lowering his um, percentage completion rate. Oh. Now that's like, that's starting to get really scary when you won't play certain games for fear that, you know, if you don't get far enough in, your, you know, your total completion rate is going to fall. What does that even do for you, though? Well, I guess it's like what does your pers- completion rate do for you? Well, it's, it's a personal target. Is I think his his completion. Yeah, rate is I know, seventy five percent or something like that. But yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't, I don't understand that. I, I kind of do because again, a year or two ago, I may have said, you know, I want to keep, I want to get mine at fifty percent or keep it at fifty percent. But, but now I just don't care anymore. I've I've gone beyond the point of caring about things like that, and I'd much rather actually enjoy the games I'm playing rather than worry about that. I mean, I, 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 I feel like okay. I'll just very quickly. Say, I, I do get it. Because um, I, I played Mario Kart a, a hell of a lot on the SNES, and I relentlessly did the time trial on the first lap to get the, the quickest lap time and, and the quickest... Uh, sorry, on the first track, sorry, not the first lap, to get the quickest lap time and the quickest trap time, because I knew I was getting close to the world record. Um, mm. I saw it on Games Master, and I knew I was very close to it. So I did that. I spent way too much time doing that. But... I find that okay compared to achievements because achievements are artificial. They're this kind of imposed thing where someone else has told you this is worth going for. Whereas I, and I, I know that's kind of not maybe missing the point a little bit. It's just not playing the game naturally. You're playing at a, a predefined goal instead of like organically growing your experience with the game. Yeah, I, I definitely think if you'd have asked me that question last year, I'd have probably given you a different answer. But I, I totally agree with Eddie. I think it actually it does more harm than it does good now. That's my view, anyway. I don't know whether I've had some kind of, you know, um, some, some sort of, yeah, epiphany <laughs> or something like that. But I, mm-hmm. I certainly since since Christmas, when I kind of made up this these rules to myself that you know I'd only buy one game and I would play things to enjoy them. If I don't enjoy them, I'm just going to take the disc out and not play them anymore. It definitely has. I have actually enjoyed my gaming more this year than I did last year, and I think that's partly down to that. I'd love to see more games do um, achievements, like you said, Zan, where it's tied into what you're doing throughout the game. And I remember when we talked about Bionic Commando with um, Joe, and we both uh, really loved the achievements in that game because it's all tied into stuff you're doing in the game anyway. You know, uh, 
doing a certain number of moves over a certain enemy, collecting a certain number of uh, items along the way. It's just stuff that's naturally there in, in a way. I I just really dislike stuff where it's uh, like in, in in Alan Wake. It's there's there's a, a few of them. There's a really some really silly ones like a uh, sh- um, play the record on the thing twice. It's just well, I wouldn't know to do that unless you tell me to go do it via the achievements. So. Um, Alan Wake's not really guilty of it. There are games much guilty than Alan Wake of it, and actually Alan Wake does a, a lot of good things right, a lot of things right in its achievements. But it's just what I've been playing recently. Um, I thought the, one of the ones that did it best really is probably Dead Rising because that had um, some achievements which you just—they're all exactly the same number of points. It kind of made regardless of difficulty, which I thought was quite a, a good way of sort of. <clears throat> taking some of the pressure off in many ways, and um, some of them you could pick up—you picked up just by playing through it naturally. Others you picked up by doing quirky things, maybe by accident. You know, they didn't. They didn't tend to be things that told you what to do. They were things that you would choose to do, and then you got rewarded for it. And I thought they were really good. But yeah, it does annoy me when you get games that go one way or the other with their achievements. And actually, with those games now, I just look at it and think, well, I won't bother with those then. You know, okay, if I play the game and I get 5%, so what? You know, I've played the game and I've had my fun and, and that's it. But again, a year ago, I'd have I'd have been ranting and raving and moaning about it, but not anymore. <laughs> okay, um, I think... Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say one thing. Um, one of the... Eddie mentioned it earlier. I mean, if, if you find yourself in sort of Game of Burnout, but you do want to sort of... Um, you do want to get back into playing games or you want to sort of overcome that hump, then definitely switching genres is, I've found to work. And the, one of the, the games, that my kind of go-to game, if you like, or they've got two I've got that I play. If I'm really, you know, if I really, nothing's on TV, I don't want to read anything, I don't want to go for a walk because it's raining like it does most days in this country, um, then um, what I'll go, what I'll do is I'll either, I'll either put in something like Rock Band and just muck around on that for a few hours. Right. Because um, again, there's no reward. There's no if you've played it and you finished it. There's you're just mucking around, really. You're just doing it for the fun of it. Or I'll play a game that's creative. So something like um, I've always found things like SimCity or Civilization, something where you actually construct something. I often find helps because it starts to then get you. Um, I don't know. It just sort of relaxes the mind to find if you're doing things where you're actually making things rather than destroying things. But that might just be a personal thing. I really find it hard to to get into that creative mindset myself when I'm in that kind of burnout phase. But I do have a go-to game like you, and, and uh, or I used to at least. It was a Everybody's Golf All Tour on the PlayStation Three, just because it was very quick and very easy to have a, a round of golf. And uh, there's my score, and I'm done. And I, it was almost the same as you know going for a real round of golf, except I can't in London. Uh, Mainly because I, uh, you know, to have the, the fees to go to a, a driving range here, and yeah, I, I, and also I'm rubbish at it. That also is a problem. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, it, it, I, I don't know, Eddie. Do you have a go-to game? Um, no, I no. don't. <laughs> I have a, I, like there are a bunch of games that I like to play that I think about playing a lot, but generally I just let it happen. I let it come back, however, whenever it does. I mean, if there had to be one, I'd probably go, like, bounce around the city in Assassin's Creed or something where I get to just play, kind of like kind of like what Zan said, but just in a different genre. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave them with one last thought then, and, I, and it's something that I was taught when I was, not sorry, not taught, but told when I was entering uh, sort of this fear of writing about games, and I think it actually applies to not just writing about games. 
if you don't really sort of broaden your horizons beyond gaming, if you're if you're very limited in your sort of knowledge of, of gaming, you're it's going to just limit you in a lot of stuff. Um, you know, it's very hard to write about gaming in original ways, in constructive ways, if you don't have appreciation of other stuff like TV, movies, books. And uh, I think that's just a good mantra for life, really, to to diversify, like Eddie said, right at the top of the show, to broaden your horizons. And uh, as much as we're all really enthusiastic about this hobby, it's, it, there are other things in life. Go outside, enjoy the sun, all that kind of stuff. Not too long, because there are lots of games coming out next week. <laughs> uh, <so that> second <laughs> Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Mario Galaxy in the US. Lucky bastards. Uh, anyway, so that is Gaming Burnout, and I think we, like Eddie said earlier in the show, we are burnt out on it. So I would like to say a big thank you to Zan and Eddie for joining me today. Thank you, guys. Woohoo! No problem. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Okay, and uh, is there anything you'd like to point us in the direction of before we go? Uh, Zan, how about you? Uh, no, I just I just think the I'll give the plug to the website, yeah, bigrepotion.com, um, and we Sinan does a great job in writing up everything that we do every week on your... What's it called again? Big Red Everything, which hasn't gone up as we record it. It will go up once I finish recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much it. And, uh, yeah, I suppose we ought to plug the um, the Digital Cowboys podcast that we did. Oh, yes. Uh, do you want to do that? Yeah. So, yeah, we... Um, I think it was on there. It was on repackaging gaming complexity was the topic, wasn't it? Which... Mm. Sounds complex in itself, but um, and um, yeah, we had a good old ding dong. Actually, there was um, quite a few things that we agreed and disagreed on, and I think I seem to have upset quite a few people with my my views on Prince of Persia. But I stick to them. Did you? I didn't hear any. Is it was it us who were upsetted, or, or other people? Other people, yeah, people who've yeah, they, yeah. Sorry, they, yeah, I know that Digital Cowboys has gone up because people have been sending me messages on Twitter about how wrong I am about Prince of Persia. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so if you want to hear Zan being wrong about Prince of Persia, then you go over to thedigitalcowboys.com. I'll include a link in the show notes as well. Uh, otherwise, I'm just going to throw in a plug as well for Zan, because he's being too modest. I don't know if you plugged it last week, but I'm going to plug it again. Uh, you did the, the replay show over at the game scene uh, on Lego Star Wars, and uh, that's always good fun to, to go back to, to games they've, that have been uh, dormant for a while, that came out a long time ago. So uh, you can find that at thegamescene.com. Oh, I'll just add to that. Next month it's Dead Rising, so Ooh. and uh, I'm playing the Wii version, which is proven to be very interesting. There you go, Eddie. How about you? Um, well, I was just going to say the Big Red Everything at BigRedPotion.com because that kind of covers everything that I do each week. Um, but specifically on there, I reviewed Alan Wake and uh, Sleep Is Death, which we talked about the last time I was on the show, but really uh, spent most of the time just sort of group interviewing Jason Rohr. So I, I wrote up a little review for that, which is sort of an odd game to review because it's not really a game. It's more of just a tool. But yeah, that, those are both over at GamerNode.com. And other than that, nothing else. And your your little review blurb is on the front of the Sleepers F site, isn't it? Yeah. yeah um, I don't know if there's any quotation from the review, but the score is up there. And uh, you can go see that. That's a little, a little hint of what you thought of the game then, isn't it? That the score is up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he, it was a one out of five, and he just decided to put it up. He's, he's incredibly proud of it. Um, yes, so Eddie does some great work at GameNet.com, and you should all check that out. Uh, I'm going to throw another shout-out to our missing friend, Joe DeLear, and to our other missing friend, Jeffrey Matleff, who'll be joining us next week. Um, and the last thing for people who are bemused by things... Uh, 
And if you want to be bemused by something else, go to kotaku.com and search for my name. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that's just surreal. I'm not even going to go into further detail on that. But if you want to see something I wrote up on Kotaku, it's there. <laughs> it's not exactly deep and intellectual, but it's there. <laughs> um, so, on that note, once again, thank you to Suzanne and to Eddie. We will join you next week when we have a very special guest. So, see you in seven days' time. Bye for now.